This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. He is a super high performance and emotional intelligence coach for successful CEOs, entrepreneurs, and leaders. He's also the author of the book, The Black Ball, Does Anybody Else Have a Secret? And the host of the Unshakable Leaders Podcast, Simon Lovell. Welcome to the show. It's so great to be here. Thank you for having me. I am thrilled you're here too. Although you did pull a quick one on me. I thought you were from England, but you're actually in California. So he just pulled the wool over my eyes. So I am fooled like you, listener. <laughs> yeah, so, been here for five, been here for five years now. And I, I, I love the weather. Um, I yes. love the, the, the energy. Um, and uh, yeah, I've, I've not actually been back to England since I left. So it probably tells you something. <laughs> well, I, I love accents. Matter of fact, I recently changed the uh, the accent of the lady on my uh, iPhone. I won't say her name because then she'll start going crazy in my house. But uh, I, I, I was trying to get a Scottish accent, but that's not one of the options. I didn't like the Irish. The British one, eh, she's okay, but I settled with Australian. I just, I got to have something different. That's just the way I roll. So I'd like to start off with, I've heard of high performance coaches before. I've never heard of a super high performance coach. So what's the difference? Well, I talk about these different levels of performance, which I think is really important for us to understand because um, when I talk about super high performance, I'm talking about when you are achieving, when you're growing, but you have dealt with the things holding us back. You know, So when I, when I talk about emotional intelligence, it's all about energy we all have a different level of energy in our system. So for example, low performance is when energy is being pulled down and you just don't have that fire within you. And, you know, it's, it's just a struggle. Oftentimes we're in survival when we're in that place. Then we've got performing, which I say is kind of energy neutral. This is kind of when we're getting by, kind of just kind of coasting along. Then we've got high performance. Now, this word high performance is spoken about a, a lot, but there was a concern for me around high performance because why is it that we see and hear around uh, high performers, but then we hear very successful people that then take their lives? And I think suicide right now is a very important topic around mental health. So I started to think about that and I really came along, you know, this concept around, you know, a balloon can't rise if there are weights holding us down. Um, and so when we start to chop off that weight around the things that have happened to us and the things that we're holding on to, then we can actually reach this new level of energy, this new level of performance, which is why I call that super high performance. So how many people, I don't want an exact number, obviously, but how many people in terms of a percentage, I think there's like 8 billion people on this planet. How many, what percentage would you say have achieved super high performance? Very few. Uh, Again, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I'll explain why. You know, COVID, for example, uh, is I would class as a trauma. It's an, it's an energetic, energetic interruption, and it's shocked a lot of people, even who have been in personal development and personal growth. Um, and for, uh, for a lot of entrepreneurs, they have gone through a lot of pain, but we still want to push through and not deal with that. And so when I'm working with people, when I'm talking with people, we've all got those things that we've not dealt with, that we've not resolved as past, you know, family issues as there's so much in our timeline, in our past that that hasn't been dealt with. And, and the reason why is we don't want to admit that we don't want to talk about it. But when we do, 
it can be be very cathartic. It can also give us a lot more energy because we're not suppressing. And, and there's this quote, which is, you know, depressed is the need for deep rest from the character that we're playing in the world. And so I say, you know, suppression equals depression. Um, and so I really, I want people to make money. I want them to succeed, but not at the cost of their health and also their mental health. Mm, very good point. Now, this is a question I, I'm interested in your thoughts on. I just saw a post on LinkedIn this morning that said, would, if you could have known in 2019, what was going to happen in 2020, would you have wanted to know? And I, I, I commented, said, no, I wouldn't have wanted to know. Just like, I don't want to know the date I'm going to die. What are your thoughts? If you could forecast or predict in 2019, the year that 2020 was going to be, and I'm talking about COVID-19, would you have wanted to know? And why? Yes. Yes. Because I think it's very important for us to mentally prepare. You know, um, I think, especially in the personal development community, you know, we talk about, you know, just, you know, creating this vision of the future and then hoping that everything goes kind of well. Um, but also, you know, there are certain mentalities where you want to prepare mentally around something not going right. For example, you know, just going into fear, for example, or something in your life where you're kind of avoiding it. I would have liked to have known because by knowing what was coming, I could have set myself up in a way to deal with some of the things that did shake my system during that time. Um, but also, you know, and I love your answer. And the reason why, why is because there's always a pro There's always a, a, a pro to the opposite. So there's, there's a pro to not knowing and there's a pro to knowing. Very good. Very good. Okay. Let's get real tactical here, Simon. How can we, and when I say we, I mean me and the people listening to this conversation, how can we, work on becoming a hyper, a super high performer? Uh, the first step is basics. Um, you know, if a sports team is not um, performing, then a good coach is going to strip everything back to the basics. And so for me, that's about starting my day feeling great. And so if I get up in the morning and I'm not feeling good, then I'm going to take that into my day. And so we have to, and I know this word is thrown around a lot, which is self-care, but really I want to talk about this principle around not a morning routine, but an energy routine. Everything is energy. So when energy is high, thoughts are positive. When we're sick and energy is low, we don't think good things about ourselves. We're in survival. Our body is you know, needing to recover. So when we open our eyes in the morning, our first primary goal should be to get ourselves into an energetic place where we feel good because when we feel good, when energy is high, thoughts are positive. And when you repeat a thought that changes into a belief and then that creates who you are. So if you wake up every morning and it's always downhill and it's downhill from the moment you get up, you're going to wire that and you're going to create that as a habit. And then you're going to be a miserable person. And I don't want that, especially for the entrepreneurs out there, because we all want to create impact. We all want to create change. Yeah. And not only, I love your sports analogy when things aren't going well, but also when they go back to training camp, the first week of training camp, whether you're talking about American football, basketball, hockey, they're doing the basic stuff that they should know. The quarterback's going to Throw, just throw balls and the, the receivers are just going to catch and the runners are just going to, you know, just run and the punchers are just going to punt. It, so every time a sports team goes back to training camp, they do exactly what you just said. They go back to the very basics. Even though these people have been playing for years, 
the coaching staff wants to make sure, okay, let's make sure we know how to throw a ball. Can we kick the ball? Can we punt the ball? Can we block? And so I think you saying getting back to the basics is so very important. My primary you know, way to get myself into a good energy is to meditate. And I know that a lot of people have mental associations to that. And, you know, maybe we can dive into that a little bit, but that is the fastest way for me to shift my energy. Why? Because when I, when I close my eyes, I'm removing all distractions and I'm forcing myself to go inward versus being subject to everything outside trying to distract me. And when I go inward, I connect with myself and I relax my nervous system. And for an entrepreneur, we don't want to have a nervous system that's not relaxed because we're going to make stupid decisions. We're not going to be focused. We're going to be erratic. We're going to be compulsive. And, you know, in the animal kingdom, you have the, um, the erratic, compulsive, impatient male elephant, and then you have the calm, confident female. Well, that's a different energy system. And so when you have a calm, confident, energetic system and you operate that way because you start your day that way, then how you interact with your team, the decisions that you make, what you write on LinkedIn, it's coming from a very grounded place versus from the ego, from the mind, which is all of that confusion. It's like putting your hands into a fish tank and you splash into the fish tank and then suddenly you grab all of the sand and then you swirl it around. Most people start their day from that place. And so we've got to settle things down. And when things settle things, uh, when things settle down, we think more clearly. Yeah, I, I will tell you, I have a kind of a confusing, complicated relationship with meditation. First, I denied it, said it's just, you know, this woo-woo stuff. Then I kept hearing so many people talk about the power of meditation. So I started dabbling into it. And then, but I didn't really give it my all. And so I was using an easy way out. I tried to use a calm app. I didn't, I found that didn't work for me. And then I started using the breathe app on my Apple watch, which is like only a minute at a time. And I'm like, you know, I keep hearing the power of meditation. Then I read Jay Shetty's book, think like a monk. And he was a monk for several years. And in there, he actually talks about meditation and he actually addressed all these apps that have you meditate for one minute, five minutes, 10 minutes. He goes, I've been meditating for 13 years. And he goes, I still sit there and it takes me 10 to 15 minutes just for the thoughts to settle down before I can actually start meditating. And I never heard that perspective before. So now what I'm trying to do is every day I actually schedule in my day time to be quiet. So no technology. I just go outside and I'm just quiet. And but to his point. It takes a while for my mind to go, okay, don't forget you got to do this, got to do this, got to do this. And after a while, those thoughts start fading away and then I can meditate. But I never learned that until I read his book. So what are your thoughts on that? Hey there, it's Mark. I just wanted to hop in here real quick to invite you to check out MrProductivity.com to find out how to be coached by me for less than a dollar a day. Get my top five productivity tips and so much more. It all happens over at MrProductivity.com. Oh, I, I love this topic. So, um, I, you know, in my process with my clients, with my CEOs and entrepreneurs, I take them from 10 minutes of meditation in week one to 60 minutes in week six, and they're doing it every single day to create a discipline. And what's interesting is that the sweet spot of around when things shift from, I have to meditate to, I want to meditate where there's that desire comes between the 25 and 30 minute mark. 
What's interesting is that when those thoughts start to go away, and, and I get it, I understand it, because the thoughts are going to come up of, I want to get out, I'm busy, I've got these ideas. That is the ego. That's the personality just trying to sabotage you. So when that finally falls away and you drop into this place where really time time passes, right, because you're in the present moment, well, this is where the juices, this is where the superpowers are. This I've been meditating now for 10 years, and it's after the 30-minute mark where I've had my million-dollar ideas, which have turned into million-dollar companies. This is where the answers have come around certain big decisions in my life. This is where I've been able to reprogram myself. And so I think that the the view that we have around meditation is so kind of cliched around you know someone sitting under a tree that we don't get to that that snapping point of us relaxing and then finally getting into that zone. And, and when people say, I want to be more focused, I want to manage myself efficiently, I want to feel happy. Well, all of that happens from that point that we start to break through. And, and I don't want to get too complicated. I want to keep it super simple here. But we've got the mind and then we've got the heart. And so what we've got to do is create this flow between the mind and the heart. So when, for example, you know, you lose your keys, when you go up into your head, you're thinking like, where are my keys? Where are my keys? Where are my keys? Well, when you let go, that's when suddenly the intelligence comes in because you're not in your head. And then suddenly intuition kicks in and then you find your keys without thinking about it. This is why some of, the, some of the best ideas come in the shower, because you're in the present moment. You're not thinking about the future. You're not thinking about the past. When the water splashes on the top of your head, it's bringing you into the present moment, which most people don't realize. And then suddenly, boom, what happens is an idea, a thought comes in. There's no emotion attached. It's very fast. And that is when you need to listen, because you know, a lot of the time I get people come to me and they say, Simon, I'm not sure. Do I do this or do I do this? I have this thought around this and I have this thought around this. Well, when, when something comes out of nowhere and it's fast, there's no emotion attached because you're in the present moment. That is what you should listen to. You know, I love what you're saying. And I, I, I really appreciate it because I too, when I first got into meditation, I used to think, I had to sit on the tree and I had to sit in lotus position and I had said, um, and then I'm like, I don't want to do that. But then I found, I don't know if it was in Jay's book or something else that you don't have to meditate always that way. And I find I, I'm a daily runner. So I run like three miles every day. I've been doing it for since uh, August of 2017, but you can actually meditate when you're running. If you're not listening to an audiobook, a podcast, music, and I can tell you, when I go out and running and leave my AirPods behind, mm -hmm. I am like in the moment because you, you can't do anything else other than run. And I did you know that birds chirp? I, I found it fascinating. You leave your AirPods <laughs> behind. You can hear birds chirping. You can hear the air rustling to the trees. And so tell me if I'm wrong it is meditation can also be if you're like running or like you said in the shower. So there's different forms of meditation. Is that correct? Yeah, open eye meditation, uh, because, uh, you know, closed eye meditation is important because it shuts everything out. But open eye meditation is also important. But that's just, again, getting into the present moment. You can do that by being in nature, going and, you know, just being out there when you're running. That's a great time. You know, in fact, running here in Del Mar, when I come out of my house and then turn right, I, I'm running down by the ocean. So I leave my uh, AirPods behind and then I run to this huge hill come back down and then I dive into the ocean. And that's a great uh, excuse oh, wow. to, to leave, to leave the, uh, 
to leave the earpods behind. And so when I come out of the ocean and I've had that refresh, the energy that I have to go back and, and run home is just just incredible, which actually comes on to another topic, which is around cold showers, um, which is a great way. I know for, for some people listening, you're going to sometimes get stuck in a funk. And sometimes when you're stuck in a funk, the, the one thing, if someone says to you meditate, you're going to be like, I do not want to meditate because the <laughs> ego and the mind is coming in and it's basically sabotaging you from the very thing that you should do. So a couple of suggestions if you are stuck in a funk and, you, and, and your mind comes in and says, I don't want to meditate. A, cold shower. That's going to reset you energetically. Even though you don't want to do it, it's going to shift your energy, which again, everything is energy. So the goal is to shift energy. Another thing you can also do is take a nap because a nap is an energetic reset. Now, for many years, I didn't nap because I said to myself, well, I'm being lazy. But when I, when I called it a spiritual nap or an energetic reset, Sometimes when I've got that decision of, you know, do I have that extra coffee in the afternoon? Instead, what I do is I take a 20 minute nap, I reset and I get up and I want to go running. So um, getting out of a funk is actually about what do I do to energetically reset myself? I love that because, well, I live in the South, as you do, and cold showers down in Houston are far different than cold showers up in Michigan. So, you know, I can make mine all cold and it doesn't really get cold. But what I did this morning, I just did this this morning. I was, I spent an hour on LinkedIn, like I normally do in the morning and before work hours. And I was, I wasn't feeling myself. So I did a brisk walk around the block and that like perked me right up. I mean, that wasn't my daily run. I wasn't going to run for later in the day, but I did a brisk, brisk walk. I mean, I didn't like lollygag. I mean, I did a brisk walk and I actually burned three minutes of exercise according to my Apple watch. And so I love these ideas, cold showers. Uh, and I, what I find if you are living the South, like I do, and you want a really cold shower and the water doesn't get really cold, here's what you do. As you're taking your shower, take it on the hot side. So you're really warming up the body. And then when you take it all the way to cold, now it's going to seem even colder to you because you're going from really hot to really cold. So that's an idea that I found. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I do that also. I think it's a great, great thing to do. And also just, you know, stay in there as long as you can and, and just notice what's happening, I think, with your thoughts. You know, yeah. because if you can start to just, you know, you get cold and then your mind is going like, get the hell out of here. Then actually <laughs> what you can do is you can say, oh, I notice what I'm thinking. And actually I'm going to train my brain to start disciplining myself because, um, you know, I jumped out of a plane because I didn't want to jump out because I have a, had a fear of heights, but I set it as an intention. So I consciously look to do the things that are going to stretch me because then I'm growing, then I'm evolving, then I'm not staying in this habitual behavior. And what most people don't realize is that breaking through to the next level financially, breaking through to the next level in relationships, breaking through to the next level in business comes from the personal discipline that we're willing to stretch ourselves through. You're serious about your online business. I am too. That's why I proudly host my website on Kajabi. It's everything you need all rolled into one platform. For more information and to try Kajabi free for 14 days, go to the link in the show notes or go to markstuchowski.com forward slash Kajabi. That's Kajabi, K-A-J-A-B-I. I love that. So going along with meditation is silence. And this is something I'm trying to put back into my life. I'm 55 years young and the internet, uh, I'm sure you've heard assignment is on 24, seven, 365 streaming. Everything's on and just to be quiet. And I'm not talking about like turning everything off. I'm just talking about 
you you not talking. And let me tell you something. Everyone likes to talk a lot. And to be quiet, to not say anything is really difficult. So do you have any tips on how we can be quiet in a very noisy world? I think just uh, being very conscious of what's going on when we're silent is key. Because that is around what I call, um, you know, emotional indicators. Emotional intelligence is very important. So if we actually do it intentionally and say, you know, I'm going to be quiet and I'm going to notice what comes up in my quietness, then we actually raise our level of self-awareness, which is awesome because we grow from that. And the other thing, too, is just around removing distractions, because one of the reasons we start to speak again is because we get distracted and that causes us to then go into conversation. And then you've also just brought up the topic for me too of, of a silent podcast, which wouldn't be too interesting if both people were actually just silent. <laughs> What's, wrong? What's wrong with the other welcome, <laughs> welcome to the silent podcast on today's episode and then an hour of nothing. Also. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, there's some podcast players out there that actually truncate. They actually remove the silence. So it would be the intro and then the outro. And people go, this is a weird 30 second podcast. Uh, Cause I did that once I was doing like, I was trying to illustrate how we can't go very long without being quiet. And I was quiet for like 10 seconds. Now, if you're not used to being quiet, that's an eternity. And I was out walking one day and I was listening to my episode and I was listening to a podcast player that actually removes the silences. And it's like, okay, let's be quiet for 10 seconds. And that wasn't that bad, wasn't like <laughs> that didn't work, that didn't work out very well because it just took the silence out. But I encourage people, if you don't, if you think you can be silent, here's my challenge to you. And I'd like to know your thoughts on this, Simon, is set your timer on your phone for one minute and don't speak for one minute. You're going to keep looking at that phone and go, is it, is it up yet? What is it up? Cause it's going to see, cause we're not used to being quiet and try a minute. And I guarantee you, unless you're some outlier, you're going to have trouble getting for a, through a minute without saying anything. What are your thoughts on that? So I love this topic and here's why the biggest excuses around meditation are time. And I want to address that for, uh, in a moment. But the other one is around the amount of time that we're silent for. And a big reason why we don't like to be silent is because what is going to come up when I am? And, <laughs> yes. so, and, so, and so if people close their eyes and they're silent, it forces things to come up that we don't want to think about. And that's why we soothe. That's why we drink. That's why we have certain addictions. That's why we go into all of these patterns, because if we're silent and we're quiet, then we're going to have to face the very things that we don't want to face. Next. Okay. No, Sorry. Go ahead. no, you. Go yeah. Ahead. Um, and then, and then the other excuse around time, which is, you know, I don't have time for this. Well, then I start to pose the question around, do you, would you rather your day be very inefficient because you're just all over the place? Or would you like to spend some time in silence, be present with yourself, ground yourself so that when you go about your day, you're actually really efficient. So from that respect, actually meditation and being silent is very effective with time. And so when people say, I want to be more manage my time effectively, which is one of the biggest challenges for entrepreneurs. And actually meditation and silence brings you into being more efficient. So actually you get more done in less time. Wow. What are your thoughts on apps like Calm and Headspace? Are, do you recommend them or do you think we should you know, do a different type of meditation? So I don't like one type of meditation and I think Calm and Headspace are great starting points. Uh, I actually just wrote an article for entrepreneur.com around this topic. And, um, you know, when you use those apps, 
they're, they're great for that starting point. But then what we need to start to do is create streaks, which is discipline and then depth. So okay. basically consistency and go for longer. Now there are different types of meditation. There are guided with a voice and, mu and music. Then when we remove the layer of the guidance, we just have the music. And then when we remove the layer of the music, we have nothing. Now it's a big challenge for people to do. If I just said to someone who hasn't meditated before, be with yourself for an hour. It's nigh on impossible to do that. <laughs> yes. But, but when I get my entrepreneurs to that point, they, they have a massive epiphany and a breakthrough because they were able to do it and they realize how it impacts their business. But you don't just do that. That's like going into the gym and getting someone to, to squat a hundred pounds. You know, it's going to damage, well, it wouldn't damage you in meditation, but it's just not going to be, um, you know, easy for someone to do that because they haven't disciplined the mind. And so we've got to train that over time because otherwise someone's just going to be like, there's just no way I'm going to do that, which is basically the ego and the false self basically coming in and self-sabotaging. So yes, I love, um, you know, I think it's great to introduce people in whatever means to meditation through an app or whatever, but then we have to take ourselves and say, this is the beginning stages which it is for, for many people. So then we just go through layers and, and becoming, you know, a master. You know, when you start something like meditation, you're going to start off with, uh, with apps and stuff, and then you go into mastery. For example, I know I meditated uh, just recently. I came back from uh, Florida where I meditated for four hours. I got, we were in the room at four in the morning through four hours nonstop. And also a couple of years ago, I did a process called Vipassana, which is 10 days of meditation for 10 hours a day. Now, I did that because I, was, I didn't want to do it, just like the jumping out of the plane. And when you do that for that length of time, A, you learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about other people. You learn a lot about the, the thoughts that come up. But also, you understand how that you can actually discipline yourself. And what it does is it raises your level of self-awareness so that you become a better human being. So you wrote a book called The Black Ball. Does anybody else have a secret? What's that all about? So I went through a lot of pain in my childhood. I, I went through a lot of bullying and I had an addiction pattern, which was basically um, I would drink, then I would smoke, then I would take drugs, and then I would gamble. And I wanted to be a successful entrepreneur. I wanted to make a million dollars. And I had it on a vision board in 2013. I achieved all of that. I got the big house in Carmel Valley with the basketball court. I got the Ferrari. I got all of these things. But I got to this point also where I wasn't happy with those things. Why? Because I was unhealed from my childhood bullying. Because when you go through that trauma and you go through that experience, you start to seek validation. It's called extrinsic motivators, right? So we look at things outside of ourselves to, to fill something that's missing within. So basically, I'm sat in this home in Carmel Valley, California with my Ferrari outside, and I'm, I'm not happy. And I make this decision to let it all go. And I was invited to these games. They're called connection games. They're called authentic connection games. And it was a home in Encinitas, California. And I went along to these connection games because I wanted to, I wanted to connect with people beyond surface level conversation. You know, the thing I love about, 
you know, um, podcasts is that we get to go deep. We get to have these deeper level conversations. But oftentimes, you know, you go to a networking event, it's like, what do you do? And it's very surface level. So when these, uh, these authentic connection games came up, I was like, I'm going to go. So we go along. Now, bear in, bear in mind, by the time I go to this event, I'd already invested $250,000 in my own personal growth. I spent time with Tony Robbins. I did all the self-development that you could think of. I went to, you know, do plant ceremonies in Iowa and in Peru with ayahuasca and all like, you name it, I did it, right? So I go to this, uh, this, this home and we start playing these games. And there's this game called Anybody Else. And in this game, you step into this circle and basically you start to just talk about the things that are really real and really raw and authentic. So for example, you might step into the circle and say, you know, I, I get lonely as an entrepreneur. And because of that, you know, I sabotage relationships. And then anyone else that felt the same way would step into the circle. And basically... Uh, someone, a guy stepped into the circle and said something which I resonated with, but I couldn't step in. Like I was literally frozen. And so I was like, wow, this is, this is really interesting. So my heart's like pounding and I'm like, why can't I step in? Now, this was very frustrating for two reasons. One, because I'd been through so much personal growth and I was frozen and I couldn't take action, which is for someone who does this work was extremely painful. But the other real reason was because I wanted to step in for this man. I wanted to step in to support this man that had been vulnerable, that had shared his truth and he stood in and he needed someone else to support him, but I didn't. And that was painful for me. So the night went on and I, and this, you know, played with me. And I said to my roommate at the time, I said, you know, there was this thing that I couldn't step in for. And she didn't set, you know, I didn't tell her what it was. So we go to play, play this final game. And the game is called Hot Seat. And in this game, Hot Seat, you can ask mild, medium, or spicy questions, right? So imagine being sat in a chair and just saying, hit me with spicy questions. And you can ask that person any, any question. So on the way to the sofa to play this game, there's this black ball on the floor. And I pick up the ball and it's a juggling ball. And this ball's in my hand and I'm just playing with this ball. And you know, you know, for example, when you're overthinking, you might pick your fingers or whatever it is. So you've got this energy outlet. So I've got this ball in my hand and then it's my turn to go and sit in the hot seat. And my heart is pounding because I'm like, is this thing going to come up? You know, am I going to talk about this thing? And I'm just like, I'm, my body is just anxious and I'm sweating and I'm sat in this chair and then it go, it's ready for the first question. And my roommate, she says, Simon, what was it that you didn't step into the circle for? Uh, <laughs> and I'm just, and I'm just sat there looking at her with devil eyes, you know, and, um, and I had this ball in my hand and I said, um, you know, when I was young, when I was a boy, I had a, I had a sexual experience with another boy. And in that moment, the ball launched itself out of my hands and fell on the floor. And everyone was present with the ball with their mouths wide open. And it was so symbolic because I had this heavy black ball that literally I released. And you could have asked me any question then because this was the thing that I didn't want to talk to anyone about because I created all these stories around it. And what happened was I left that evening and I was like, oh my God, I just feel different. And I started to tell this black ball story. And so people would start to come up to me and say, I have my, I have a black ball. And they would tell me these things that they were going to take to their grave. And then what happened was um, there was this girl that was sexually assaulted at gunpoint in South Africa. 
And because of that, she didn't speak up. She didn't do things in her business. In fact, when she went to speak up, she went blood red because she didn't want to just, you know, express herself. And when she shared her black story, the details of what happened at gunpoint in South Africa, basically 30 years of this blushing went in an instant. And the more people would share these stories around, it would be like DUIs or abortions or just, you know, just, you know, things around suicide um, with their parents, you know, just they would heal. And that's why I, I wrote the book. It was a very much a calling. It was like, this work is so important. And it was, um, it was two weeks after I released my black ball that I went through this massive spiritual awakening, which was me, really me coming home to myself, like not worrying about what people thought, like not needing all of the validation. And I became like literally a different human being. I became a different entrepreneur. I became a different, um, I just have a different outlook on life. I don't need certain things now to make me happy. And there's just a different level of fulfillment and joy. And and, you know, it, it's a challenge for a lot of, it takes courage, you know, it takes courage to talk about these things. But it, when I use the word profound, like I mean profound. Wow. And I'm assuming that we can get this book at Amazon or wherever books are sold. Yeah. Uh, also, you can get it free on my website, simonlevel.com slash blackball if you, if you want the PDF version. If, but it's, it's available on Audible or, you know, it's like a two hour read. It's very quick. Um, and it's really helped a lot of people. Wow. Well, I appreciate you being on the show today, sharing all these insights of super high performers and meditation and silence is incredible episode is like drinking from a fire hose and listener. Like I always tell you, my guests always deliver tons of value. Just pick one thing that Simon talked about and go do that. Don't, don't try to do four or five things because then you get overwhelmed and you'll quit. So just pick one thing and go with that. So Simon, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate your time and your insights. Thank you so much for having me. Take it easy. And just before we go, don't forget to head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. Find out how I can coach you for less than a dollar a day. No joke. And also, you can get my top five productivity tips and so much more. It all happens at mrproductivity.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski Podcast. Until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.